Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. All right, let's, let's jump into the Word today. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. Verses 15 through 20. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. And don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because it will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. So that's corporate and individual. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, would you add your anointing and your blessing to the reading and the hearing uh, and the preaching of your word today. Lord, I pray that you give us the courage not just to hear it and to understand it, but to put it into practice because we want not just to be hearers of your word, but to be doers as well. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I wanted us to go back and read that passage of Scripture uh, to remind us of what it is we're doing in this series. So remember, and, and I'm, I'm so passionate about you remembering what this, uh, remembering this series and let's put it in practice in our lives, is that we have these things made up for you. They're in the lobby at the counter. You can grab those two, um, a keychain and a magnet that you can put in places that will remind you of this Scripture, remind you of, of what we're doing here. See, the Word is clear. The, the time is short. We're running out of time. The days are evil, so we have to maximize every opportunity. We have to go and make disciples. That's the Great Commission. Not just for the church, but for us as individuals. That's the call of God on our lives. And God's given all of us something to do in that disciple-making process. And, and we have to understand what it is, the Word says, and then get about the business of carrying that out. We do that by living wisely, by living thoughtfully, not foolishly, not carelessly. We do it by being full of the Spirit. We do it by being united in worship. We do it by being grateful to God and having that attitude of gratitude uh, that the Word tells us to have. It's abundantly clear that we have to turn the American concept of church upside down. Because instead of spending 167 hours uh, of the week, there's 168 hours in the week. That's where the 168 comes from. We, the American church tends to spend 167 hours focused on the one hour of church that we're together. Instead, we need to leverage the one hour that we're together in church to make us more effective to go be the church in the, the other 167 hours of the week. That's what this is all about. We have to become Covenant Life 168, a, a church that moves the needle on the work of the kingdom of God every hour of every week, not just for one hour on Sundays. 
Now, that's the, that's the series in a nutshell, and that's what, we're trying to, that's what we're trying to get to here. Now, after the, uh, after the baby dedication last week, and, and we're, uh, I've had some questions about baby dedication, we're going to schedule those, and I'm going to announce them. I'm sorry that I didn't let everybody know we're doing a baby dedication, so that's all me. Uh, we're going to schedule, announce it, so if, when, because they're, we're just babies popping out everywhere around here. All right? Yeah, now, don't be disturbed. Not, that's never happened in the sanctuary before. Um, but we got babies all over the place, so we, we'll get those scheduled and announced, all right? But we had, but Rachel, uh, we got to dedicate Rachel and Zach's baby, Nora Jade, last week, and I got to meet Rachel's brother, and, you know, he came and, he's a pastor, he came and prayed over them, and it was, a, I got to meet him that day, and it was a really cool conversation, but I felt like God was up to something. And I had a conversation with Chris this week, and uh, that, that he revealed something to me through that conversation that was really pivotal in this series, um, and, and I'm grateful to Chris for, for being willing to share, but, but I'm amazed at the Lord and how he does the things that he does. I know, I told y'all this has been stewing for a couple of years in me, and I didn't know why I had not been released to preach it sooner, and now I know why. God was waiting for this kingdom c- connection to reveal this, this idea or this thought, this uh, understanding to me. So armed with this new understanding of one word, um, I'm excited to share this message with you. So I want us to, to stay in the book of Ephesians and just back up to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, 7, and then we're going to read 11 and 12. However, he, Christ, has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Each one of us has a special gift. Did you know you were <laughs> you're special? And you're gifted? You're like, yeah, people told me I was special. I'm not talking about that kind of special. God says you're special, and he's gifted each one of you. Now, I want, you, I want to show you uh, something in verse 11. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, to the body, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people, equip God's people to do his work, God's work, and build up the church, the body of Christ. We talked about this last week. And we're going to come back to it again because I believe this is one of the keys of being a 168-hour-a-week church. Verse 11 describes what's commonly referred to as the five-fold ministry. Five, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. These are the leaders of the church, sort of in a nutshell. We could just call them the leaders of the church, the the body of Christ. They're to lead the body of Christ. They've been given a God-given responsibility to do something specific for the body. Now, almost all of the translations use the same word, and they say equip. And this is the word that Chris brought to my attention. The church leaders, the five-fold ministry, are to equip the body for the work of the ministry. I want you to understand how important this is. There's no way for us to be a 168-hour-a-week church, which is what I believe the Word calls us to be. There's no way for us to be that church if all of the ministry work is done by the staff. It's just That's just not possible. It, it's not only impractical, it's unbiblical. The whole body is to do the work, and the staff serves as the trainers, as the equippers of the body. Now, the word equip is not the wrong word, so don't don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but just that one word is incomplete 
to, to convey all of the nuance that's involved in that original word. It just can't be summed up in one, in, in, in one English word. So here's the original, uh, the Greek word that I will not attempt to say because, do I look Greek? Um, I, I don't speak Greek. So that's the Greek word that we're going to be uh, talking about today, if you're curious about that. The, the word means, uh, besides equip, the word means repaired. It means restored. It means prepared. Remember what we're talking about here. The, the job of the church leaders are to equip. But it's more than equip. It's repair, restore, prepare. It means to complete or to perfect. It means to perfectly join together. It means, maybe best of all in this context, mended the job of the, of the church leaders are, is to mend the body. So churches have taken this, this word equip and we think, and I've been doing this my whole life. I mean, church is all I know. And so what we hear, we hear equip, we think, okay, we got to equip them. So let's give people spiritual gifts tests and let's put them through a discipleship class and let's do some sort of leadership training and then let's send these bad boys right on out into the harvest, right? Because we need help. Isn't that right? Y'all ever been to a, are y'all going to talk to me today? Y'all ever been to a church that didn't need help? No. And so we, we get them right on into the work of the ministry because we think, hey, we trained, they're trained now. They're equipped now. So let's get them in here. Here's what happens way too often is they crash and burn. Right? Y'all been in church long enough to see that too? We, we send them right on out there after we equip them, after we train them, and then they crash and burn. They, they, get, they don't last, or they're ineffective, or, or they get hurt, and they don't ever want to serve again. They're like, I'm never doing that again. I'm just going to come in, sit down, check off the box, and go home. And not only does the body of Christ suffer because the people who are supposed to be helping advance the kingdom is not doing that, but that individual suffers because now they may never find out what God created and called and gifted them to do. So if we're going to be a 168-hour-a-week church, there has to be more to this equipping. We have to do better, and we can, and we will. So today's message is called Mended for Ministry. Mended for Ministry. And I want to spend just a second explaining, um, uh, expanding our understanding of that particular word, and then I want to zero in on an account from the Gospels that, I, that you're probably all familiar with and use it sort of as a launching point for a new understanding of what uh, making disciples of Jesus looks like, okay? So why do we need to be mended instead of just trained? And here's why. Because we're called to be holy, but instead we are holy. All right, that's a little English teacher humor there, all right? We're, we're full of holes. We're supposed to be holy, as the Lord is, but we're full of holes. I want to show it to you in some other places, all involving this, this same Greek word. Okay, Luke 6 and 39, Jesus gave this illustration. He said, can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? Students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. Aren't we all students of Jesus, the master teacher? Isn't that right? If we're following him, that's what, that's what he is. Aren't we supposed to be like him? 
And aren't we supposed to be leading others to him? If we don't get mended, then we are like the blind leading the blind. Okay? But this verse says, if we get fully trained, and that's the same Greek word that's translated equip in Ephesians 4, if we get fully trained, then we can be like Jesus. Not greater, but we can be like Jesus. We can lead people who are still spiritually blind into a relationship with Jesus. But we have to get trained, fully trained. We have to get completed. We have to get repaired. We have to get restored. We have to get mended for ministry. Mended for ministry. Galatians 6, verse 1. This is in the NIV. It says, brothers and sisters, if someone's caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves or you may also be tempted. There's that word again, but this time it's the same Greek word, but this time it's translated as restored, restored. Part of being a member of a church, we talked about church membership last week. Part of being a member of a church is that now you have brothers and sisters around you who can help you get mended, help you get restored. When they find a hole in your character, they find a hole in your lifestyle, they point it out to you and help you get mended for ministry. But they do it humbly and gently. Why? Because we all have holes in our lives and we better treat other people the way we want to be treated. So it's that mutual accountability that we, that we find as members of the same body, the members of the church. Now, here's one more place. Hebrews 13, verses 20 and 21. Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. Now, may the God of peace, and then here's a dash. And he's describing the God of peace. Who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood. Here's the, here's the continuation. So, the God of peace, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him, all glory to him forever uh, and ever. Amen. There's that word again, equip. But let me show you some good news. Who does it say is doing the equipping? The God of peace. Who's doing the mending? The God of peace, the Lord, when you come to him, the Lord is going to heal you and mend the holes and equip you for ministry. It says he will produce in you everything that's good, everything that's pleasing to him. Why? So you can carry out his will. Isn't that good news? That's great news. We get so intimidated when we read the Bible, and we, because we think we have to manufacture holiness and maturity and all of, we have to manufacture all of that on our own. Listen, if we could do it on our own, God would never have had to send Jesus for us. It, it's like the whole point of the gospel. We can't do it on our own. So Jesus had to come. Holiness is not this list of do's and don'ts. The Pharisees had that down cold, man. They had that down cold. They, they had it to a science. They looked good on the outside. But what did Jesus say about them? He didn't say, oh guys, you're doing all, checking all the boxes, man. You're doing great. He said, y'all make me sick because you look good on the outside, but inside you're full of dead men's bones. 
You act like life on the outside, but there's nothing but death on the inside. That's not holiness. Holiness is a heart that's submitted to Christ and willing to change anything that doesn't please him. It's about intimacy. It's about intimacy with him. So when Jesus finds us holy instead of holy, if he finds us full of holes instead of full of him, he draws us close by his spirit. We think, man, we fall into sin. God is so mad at us, he never wants to see us. No, he wants to bring us in closer to himself. He draws us by his spirit. He mends the holes. And then he fills us with himself. Listen, training programs are great. Education is great. Learning leadership is great. But there is no substitute for the power of Jesus Christ in your life to get you ready to follow him and to lead others to him. Again, we're all holy. We're all full of holes. But he wants to make us holy like him. And he does that work inside of us. See, the reality is we not only have holes within us, but we have gaps between us as the body of Christ. And he wants to mend that too as part of the equipping, as, as part of the perfecting process. Let me show it to you in 1 Corinthians uh, 1 and 10. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be Perfectly united in mind and thought. That phrase, perfectly united in mind and thought, or the New, New Living says the, uh, in, uh, in thought and purpose, that's the same word we've been looking at. That's part of the equipping. His command is to allow harmony and unity to exist between us as believers. That means no division. That means no individual agendas. That means no fighting, no quarreling, no bickering, no griping, no complaining. It's not my little group and the little people that I like versus that little group and the people that they like. It's not the the red carpet group and the blue carpet group, right? And all the other stupid things that we argue about in churches. He said, you can't do that. If you're going to be equipped for ministry, you have, to be, uh, you have to be together, perfectly united in thought and in mind and in purpose. What he's looking for, what he wants us to be is a strong, powerful group of individuals who've been mended for ministry, who've been equipped and matured and restored and renewed, but also knit together as one body. No holes in us, no gaps between us. You see how powerful that is? You see how powerful understanding what the word means really becomes? Do you see how life-changing this is for us, though? Do you see how this is the key to becoming a a 168-hour-a-week church? It's not up to any of us individually, but it depends on all of us corporately. Now, let me, show you, let me show you how this plays out in, uh, in a really, really famous passage from the Gospels. You remember that the first disciples that Jesus called were uh, four fishermen, two sets of brothers, Peter and Andrew, James and John. 
And uh, he found them at the, at the seashore, the Sea of Galilee. And when he called them, he told them he was going to make them fishers of men. Right? He's using the context in that in where they were, and he's telling them. He, he didn't say, I'm going to make you apostles and prophets and wonderful people that are going to write the New Testament, and there's going to be this huge church. They, could, they couldn't have grasped all that. They're just fishermen. So Jesus is like, okay, let me tell you what. Let's start here. I'm going to make you fishers of men instead of fishermen. Okay, and then so he called him. He told him that's what he's going to do, and, and, and it was just another way to express to them the great commission. You're going to go make disciples. We're going to catch people who don't know Christ, and we're going to bring them to Him. Here's the here's the reality of the American church, though. There, most people just ain't fishing anymore, right? Most people just aren't fishing, uh, and and many people who are fishing are not efficient at it. All right, we're losing. Here's the bottom line: we're losing a lot of fish. We're losing a lot of fish, and the difference in just being a regular fisherman who's losing opportunities for income and being a fisher of men, as we're all called to be, is that there are eternal consequences for what we're doing. It's more than a dollar. It's more than it's more than uh, selling something at a market. There are eternal consequences. It, this is such an important scene, the calling of, of, of these fishermen, such an important scene that it's described in Matthew 4, in Mark 1, and in Luke 5. They're all telling different parts of the same story. Jesus found these fishermen on the shore tending their nets. He used one of their boats to teach from because the crowd had sort of pushed him out. And then he sent them out to fish again. And then you remember what happened. They caught so many fish that they, they couldn't handle it by themselves. They had to call for help. And there were so many fish that it almost sank both of the boats. So, John, how do we get better at making disciples? How do we get better at being fishers of men, at catching fish? How do we move the needle on the kingdom of God every hour of every day? I think this is the key. And here's what I want you to see. In Luke 5, it says they were on, this is the only place that they references this, but it says they were on the shore washing their nets. They're on the shore washing the nets. But then in Matthew and Mark, I want to show you what it says in, in both of these places. Matthew 4, 21, 22, a little farther up on the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with Zebedee, their father, repairing their nets, repairing their nets. And he called them to come to. And they immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. And then Mark chapter 1, verse 19 Mark 1, a little further up, he saw um, Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. It's the same word. Same word we've been talking about. They've been, they've been mending or repairing their nets. Then they went and did exactly what Jesus told them to do, and the result was overwhelming to the point that the nets began to break. He let them go through the fishing experience and then on the shore is when he told them, hey, from now on, I'm gonna make you fishers of men. Why, did he, why in the world did Jesus let them go through this whole deal? Why didn't he just call them right there on the shore and they just go on? Why'd they have to go back through this whole process of fishing again? I think he was teaching them and teaching us something about getting prepared, equipped for ministry. First of all, we have to get washed. Amen. We have to get washed. Washed in the blood of Jesus. 
washed in the water of the word. That means we have to get saved. We have to repent of our sins. We, we have to get forgiven. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago in a message called, Are You In? And if you didn't hear that and that sounds like something you need to hear, then go back and listen to it. And, and, then, and then once you get saved, you have to get untangled from, from the old lifestyle. The, the old timers, used to, when, when I was coming up in church, they used to call it being saved and sanctified. Isn't that right? It's, that is not a foolish religious notion. It's the key to an intimate relationship with Jesus. You got to let all those old habits, those addictions, those passions, those interests, you got to get all of that, let them all fall away and get swept away in your love for Jesus. See, the closer you get to Jesus, the less you're going to want to be part of that old stuff. In the last few months, I've had three different people come to me with three different things that the Lord had led them to walk away from. And, it, and it's just, it's wonderful. They, I hadn't mentioned, I did not preach about this, I hadn't mentioned it, but as they drew closer to Jesus, they willingly gave something up. So I had one person say, I'm sleeping with the person I'm dating, and, and I'm not doing that anymore. God's convicted me of that, I'm not doing that. I had another person say, I've been, I've been complacent in too many areas of my life, and it's time to get engaged again. It's time to get in the fight again. It's time to take authority again. Another person said, I I smoked my last cigarette this morning. I am done with all of that. It's amazing. It is amazing to me. I had not mentioned any of that specifically from the pulpit. Because I'm not up here trying to tell people what sorry sinners they are. I'm just trying to call us to Jesus. Because I can't possibly call every sin that every person might possibly be engaged in. Right? And that's not even the job. I'm just calling people to Jesus. Because here's what happens. You see how dirty you are when you see how clean he is. That's all you got to do. I don't have to tell you about all the ways that you can, that you can counterfeit something. I just got to show you the original. And when we see ourselves compared to him, we realize, oh, man, we got work to do. We got things we got to give up. We got some cleaning to do. But listen, don't be intimidated by that. Remember, he does the work and he supplies the power. So come to Jesus. Come get washed Come get saved. Come get sanctified and clean. Get set apart for his work. Get get true holiness going on in your life. You do that in your relationship with Jesus. You cannot be good enough to earn a relationship with Jesus. That's backwards. That's not how that works. You come to Jesus and he gives you the power and the, and the, uh, the ability to get clean. So, the first thing that happened in, in, in preparing for ministry was they got washed. The second is the nets got mended. The nets got mended. So in, in Luke, it talked about the washing of the nets. In Mark and Matthew, it talked about the mending of the nets. We have to get mended for ministry. Well, John, why can't we just be clean? Why isn't that enough? Because you can be clean and still have gaping holes in your net. Listen, life's hard. Life's hard. Right? Sin, sin leaves holes in your heart. Whether it's your sin or the sins that somebody has committed against you. The abuse, the addictions, the traumas, the tragedies that you've been through, that can't just be forgiven. It has to be healed. 
It has to be healed. See, we don't like to talk about this, this in the church. We think, we think if we can just get them in, get them to pray the prayer, we'll give them a training class, and everything will be fine. No, you've got people who have gaping holes in their soul that has to be repaired. It has to be mended before they're ever going to be even able to hold what Jesus pours into their lives. Because sometimes there are natural holes even in our supernatural buckets. And we've got to get those things healed. So don't just take the time to be washed. Take the time to get mended too. It's, it's why so many people fall to the wayside when we put them in ministry. Because they got washed and educated. They got washed and trained. They did not get washed and mended. Mended. So why do you think the word says to get connected in corporate worship? Because in that what we in our in our opening scripture, our foundational passage, it says singing to yourselves uh, songs and hymns and spiritual songs among you, singing among yourselves songs, hymns, spiritual songs. That's corporate worship. Why is that? Because healing is found in our relationship with Jesus. How do I get mended? Get close to Jesus, because your holes become obvious in the presence of His holiness. Your holes become obvious in the presence of his holiness. Why do you think the word says to get full of the spirit? Saved, sanctified, and filled with the spirit. Why do we, why do we need to be filled with the spirit? Because he's a healer. He's a comforter. He's our counselor. Jesus knows what it's like to be bruised and crushed and betrayed and abandoned. So come to him, spend time in his presence, in prayer and in worship. Quit, quit trying to, like, what is, what's being filled with the spirit? Quit trying to define it and just surrender to his spirit. Be washed and be mended. And then once you're washed and mended for ministry, find out what Jesus wants you to do. That's Ephesians 5.2. Because he said you have to understand what it is God wants you to do. Jesus told Peter exactly where, when, and how to fish. Right there on that spot. Jesus was a carpenter. He's telling a fisherman how to fish. That's just how it works. Obedience is the key. He said go right there, right now, and throw the nets over there. That's where the fish are. What's a carpenter know about where the fish are? Well, it just so happens this carpenter created them fish. That's just how that works. So obedience is the key. We have to find out what God wants and and then go do that. But remember, we're part of a body. It's not just about us as individuals. It's not just about getting mended, about getting our, our holes patched. It's also about getting connected and getting perfectly fitted together, perfectly joined together. So based on on this, I think these are some conclusions that we can draw. If there are divisions or quarrels among you, between you, it's time to get them settled. This is not about who's right and wrong. We're losing fish. It's time to get them settled. If you're just private or proud, um, repent and close the gaps. This is not about you. This is not about your comfort level. Fish are getting through the gaps. It's time to close the gaps. 
If you're too busy to engage with other believers, then repent and reprioritize because you've made a God out of something else in your life. It's the word of God. It's the clear directive of God for followers of Jesus. What else in our lives is more important than that? Listen, let your imagination work for just a moment. If every person in this church were washed and mended and obedient to the work of God, connected to each other in the body, can you imagine how many fish we could catch this week? Did y'all hear me? Y'all, y'all getting this? I asked you to let your imagination. I didn't tell you specifically what to imagine. This is what I'm trying to get you to imagine. Can you imagine what, what this week would look like in the kingdom of God if every one of us were washed and mended and obedient and connected to each other? Can you imagine what our church service would look like next week with all of these new fish? Can, can you imagine what our church would look like in a month of four weeks of 168-hour-a-week church? Can you imagine what our church would look like in a month? We'd, ha- we'd be like Peter and Andrew. We'd have to call for help. How cool would it be in the body of Christ, if churches were humble enough and kingdom-minded enough to call each other to help with the abundance of people. You're like, oh, Lord, that never happened. These, these are my fish. No, they're not. They're God's fish. They're God's fish. Let's say we've been working the kingdom for, for 168 hours a week this week and the week before and the week before and the week before and we've got so many new converts. We've got so many people ready to move past their church hurt and get back in, the, in, in relationship with the Lord. We've got so many people who are ready to come back into right relationship with Jesus that we just don't even know what to do with them. So we're like, hey, Pastor Matthew at Bremen City, Hey, Pastor Mark at Kingdom Rock. Hey, Pastor Hunter, First Baptist. Hey, Pastor Jay at LifeGate. We need some help. Come get some fish. We are giving fish away. All right? This ain't a fish fry. We are giving them away. We can't disciple all of them. We, but we know and trust that y'all will raise them up right. You, you talk about transforming a city, a county, transforming a community... It would only take one church. It would only take one good fishing church. Why can't it be this one? Why can't it be us? John, how are we going to be a 168 hour a week church? Sounds ridiculous. You get washed, you get mended, you get obedient, you get connected. That's how. That's how. Now, I want to I point this out. Peter had washed and mended his nets already. Like, he was ready to go home. He had spent the night fishing. His nets were washed and mended for the next day. He was ready to go home and go to sleep. And Jesus said, nah, can you just ease right on back out here? But he was obedient to Christ. He had washed and mended his nets, but his nets almost broke anyway. You say, John, I've been saved and sanctified, uh, filled with the Spirit, obedient for decades. 
This is old news for me. I've already been there and done that. Listen, this is not an event. It's not an event. You don't just go, yep, I got washed that one time. I got mended, you know, that one time. I got, I, I was obedient. I got filled with the Spirit like that one time. This is a cycle. It's a cycle. Part of a growing relationship with Jesus is that we continue to come back to him because we continually need to repent. We, we, or did y'all get saved and then just get perfect? Did y'all get that deal? I did not get that deal. I'm still working on, so he's still working on some stuff in me. We have this continual need to repent. We have the, did y'all get the deal where you got saved and then you got bulletproof? Where like nothing hurts you anymore? I didn't get that deal either. So I not only need to repent, I have this continual need to be healed and mended. I have this continual need for clarification about what it is I'm supposed to be doing in my life. The work of ministry, even, again, even if you're washed and mended and obedient to Christ, the work of ministry will put you under such strain that it'll cause rips and tears in the nets even if you did everything right. Fishermen washed and mended their nets every day. If you don't make this ministry cycle uh, a part of your life, you're going to break under the weight of the fish. It's why people burn out. It's why people give up. It's why people have moral failures. It's why every church I know needs more help because we have equipped people keeping my air quoter to myself but we have equipped people and sent them out they got hurt and they quit it's time to get that turned around it's time to get a more biblical approach to getting people ready for ministry we have to get into this cycle of being washed and mended and obedient and connected Remember, he's going to do it. He's going to perform it. He's going to provide the power himself. It's his body. He gave the gifts of church leadership so he could provide his body with everything it would need to do his work and build up the body. But it's time to come together and get busy. It's time. John, I don't know if it's time. Oh, it's time. It's time. So where are you today? Where are you today? Are you, have you been washed? Have you been saved? Have you, well, I prayed that prayer one time. I mean, talking about the magic prayer. I'm talking about, did you surrender your life to Jesus Christ as the master, as the boss? I'm not talking about blessing your food and saying a prayer before you go to sleep. Have you surrendered your life to Christ? That's how you get. Have you repented of your sins, admitted that you're a sinner and that you can't save yourself or pay the bill for your sin without Jesus? That's how you get washed. That's how you get saved. If you haven't, you can be saved today. Are you still carrying hurts? You still got holes in your life? You can be healed. You can be mended today or at least start the journey towards healing are the things in your life 
um, that need to be washed away, things that need to, that you need to start doing or things you need to stop doing in order to make you like Jesus. Today is the day that you make that decision. Today is the day that you start or stop whatever it is that you need to change. Here, here's a really important question to this, to this Pentecostal church. Are you consistently full of his spirit? I didn't ask you if you had been filled with the spirit. Are you currently full of the spirit? Maybe you need a refreshing. Maybe you need a refill. Or maybe you don't even know what I'm talking about. Either way, the word is the same. He said, be filled with his spirit. It's the only way you're going to be equipped for ministry. So today can be the day that you surrender yourself to Jesus and his spirit. And here's the last question I want to ask you. Listen, are you just tired? Are you worn out from ministry? You feel like your net's about to break? Like, God, John, I'm trying my best to do everything God tells me to do, but I'm just tired. I get it. Get back in this cycle today. Let him mend your nets. Let him renew you and refresh you and repair you. Let somebody come alongside you like like James and John did for Peter and and Andrew and help help them along to do what it is that God's called you both to do. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to pray in just a second. The team's going to sing one last song. This altar is open for you to come. It's like, John already came. We prayed about my needs. Yeah, but serving Christ is not just about getting your needs met. <laughs> if anything, getting your needs met is to get that stuff handled so you can get out and do the work of the kingdom. We have a call on our lives, all of us. All of us. You have a calling on your life. If you're a follower of Jesus, he's got something for you to do. So I want you to take just the next few minutes and just ask the Holy Spirit to show you which of these, which of these issues that you might be dealing with, which of these things you need, to, you need to take care of today. And just start that conversation. And listen, if there's something else that you want to pray about, the altar is always open to pray about whatever you got going on. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you call your children to yourself today? I know there are people here who are wounded. I know there are people here who are hurting. I know there are people here who are hesitant to to be obedient, that that are hesitant to get connected with other people because of past hurt. God, I just pray that you would begin to heal, that you'd begin to wash that away. God, that you would mend people. I pray that you would equip covenant life. Mend us for ministry. Repair us. Restore us. Fully and perfectly join us and fit us together. God, perfect us and complete us and mature us. God, all of the ways, all of the things, all of the nuances and contexts of that word, God, I just pray that you would do that in our lives today, God. Because we want to be effective in the ministry that you've called us to. Help us to hear what it is that you're that you're saying and do what it is that you tell us to do. Fill us with your spirit, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 
We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.